Episode 55 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Talking sleep with Aaron McLaughlin. Radio team, welcome along to episode 55 of Fitness Behaviour, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime and love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. Welcome along today to episode 55. It's um I'm actually on holiday right now. I'm I'm currently sitting somewhere on the beach in Bali. I've I've pre-recorded the last couple of shows. So the one I did two weeks ago, I'd actually pre-recorded before I went on holiday. And uh, today's show I did before I went on holiday as well. And so uh, when, you, when you're like a content creator, you kind of have to get a lot of work done before you even get a holiday, so I've managed to get all that work done, so I'm actually, while I say I'm on holiday, I'm actually not on, like physically right now, I'm really on holiday, but I'm actually sitting in my office before I go on holiday to get this one done, so I'm going to kind of fly through the first part of today's show, because I've got a really great interview on today's show, a guy called Aaron McLaughlin, Aaron McLaughlin is a guy who's, wow, he's kind of devoted his whole career to helping people. And um, in lots of areas, he's uh, he's you know studied psychology. He's NLP. If you don't know anything about neurolinguistic programming, it's um, uh, it's kind of mind strategies to make you successful. He's uh, hypnosis. He's you know just kind of spent his whole life kind of studying and how do we help people. But one area that he's very specialised in is sleep. And uh, he's got a book out. Now let me go to his little kind of homepage here. If you go to his website, uh, bettersleepsooner.co.nz, you can uh, see that he's got a book out there. And the book is called uh, Better Sleep Sooner. Turn your sleeplessness into sleepless, sleeping bliss. And um, yeah, and so I, I heard about Aaron. Actually, someone actually sent through an email saying we should get him on the show. So I thought I would, uh, you know, get in contact with him. And uh, he was very, very good at getting on the show and so I've got an interview with him it's an hour long it's a great interview he shares lots of insight first of all we start on some NLP stuff and then we really get into some detail of sleep and man it's it's an important area of life sleep sleep's such an important area when we think about functioning well uh, man it's really interesting I think about myself and, what, and I think about the growth of myself over the last period of time and one of the key aspects to my life in the last probably five years is my recharging strategies and this whole idea of how can I be focused for longer and being focused for longer often means that I have these recharges in my life and sleep is the fundamental one. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people out there struggle with sleep. My mother, I, I talk in the interview, my mother is someone who's a classic example of this. My whole life, my mother has struggled with sleep and she's the kind of person who can get periods of time where she's living on four hours sleep which kind of blows my mind away. You know, myself, I don't struggle with sleep, so you know, I might have the odd night where I stay up too late, but generally speaking, I've always kind of struggled, I mean, being able to get to sleep and uh, you know, get a good amount of sleep. But my poor mum, her whole life's kind of struggled with that. And in today's society, as Aaron talks about later on, where we're kind of bombarded with uh, distractions from helping us go to sleep, you know, this is becoming a bigger problem. And Aaron shares some really interesting 
kind of facts about this stuff in the interview. So instead of me waffling on about it, I thought we'd just pretty much get straight in, into the interview today because we do talk for over an hour and an hour and I probably could have gone for an hours more. Uh, you'll see at the end of the interview, I had to go to work. So I had to kind of, to wrap it up very quickly in the end there. So, uh, but he, he's got so much insight. So hopefully you really enjoy the interview that I have with Aaron coming up real soon. Before I do, I just want to talk about Patreon. If you want to become a patron on the show, and I did actually get a couple of new patrons in over the last couple of weeks, so I just want to uh, say thank you to those people there. So my new patrons who have come onto the show are Renee Hawes. Renee, thank you so much for becoming a patron on the show. It really makes a big difference. And Michael O'Kane. And Michael O'Kane is actually a member at the gym in Christchurch. He's uh, been coming to the gym for a long time. He's a bit of a hardcore exerciser. And uh, yeah, just uh, guys, I really appreciate it. for those of you who are already patrons of the show. It really, it really helps. I was speaking to Joe, my partner, the other night, and saying, you know, like, you know, if if the patronage goes up higher, I can spend more time on the show, and you know, again, maybe do a weekly show, and and like I was saying a couple of weeks ago, create free resources for you guys. So, um, yeah, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to my website bevanjamesisles.com. And did I give do I give nicknames? I can't remember if I did. Okay, if I do, oh, I, 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 do, I think I did do nicknames. So, so Renee Hawes, I need a nickname for you. And I think I'm going with the Hawk because Renee the Hawk Hawes just works. And, and you just, it gives you focus and you go absolutely crazy. Michael O'Kane. Now, I know Michael and he's pretty hardcore. So I'm going to call him Michael hardcore cane he really is he's one of those guys who's a regular exerciser and he's he's always hardcore so hardcore O'Kane's got a good ring to it so there you go Renee and Michael there's your nicknames so again if you want to become a patron of the show go to my website bevanjamesisles.com while you're on your website you'll see my pieces you can sign up to get those emailed to you Uh, you can check out all the other work that I do there as well right let's get into the interview I've got Aaron McLaughlin on let's get into it right now Right, I have, I have a, a lovely man in front of me right now. I'm on Skype right now, and he's, he's got the video happening today. And his name is Aaron McLaughlin, and um, I got that correct, didn't I? Yes, Aaron McLaughlin. Aaron McLaughlin, and uh, you're based in New Zealand. You have a pretty long historic history of helping people in general, and it seems to be that uh, one of the the big areas that you really are big on nowadays is kind of the sleep factor. But before we kind of get into that, maybe instead of me trying to talk about your history, maybe give the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, well, I'm living in Christchurch now. Um, been here for just over a year. We moved down here because uh, my daughter um, had had a guts full of homeschooling, and uh, so did my wife. And, <laughs> and we were living in a tiny little town in Hawke's Bay where there were 29 people who didn't actually all get on very well. And, um, <laughs> and so we thought, we'll get out of there and we'll, we'll come to Christchurch. We'd previously lived in Auckland, and that's where I kind of did, well, I did. I did most of my probably 15, 16 years of NLP and clinical hypnosis work. And that's pretty much what I've been doing there. Um, th- that made sense. So I was in Auckland. I kind of, from 96, I've been doing this, yeah. really. Yeah. And I got into it primarily because I was very unwell. I had uh, toxic poisoning from a... A herbicide called uh, Paraquat, which uh, which I've just recently found out was called Agent Yellow, oh. um, and 
anyway, so I had that poison for about eight years. And the thing that kind of really helped me get out of it, um, part of, partly was a detox using vitamin C and these different things, because the medical fraternity just didn't know where to start with me. Um, the thing that helped me uh, get the strength to actually move out of kind of this pattern of illness was actually NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Mm. And, um, and the strategies of wellness, the strategies of how to think differently or change thought processes at a specific level, which just really just pulled me out of a habitual state of being unwell and, and uh, just got me started. And from there, I just just so fascinated by it. I mean, the, the, the potential of what we can do in our thinking and how that influences, which has been researched now very strongly, how that influences our body and our environment. Um, it's quite remarkable. So that, so that started um, quite a few years ago. And then in, in 96, I uh, finished a degree in psych and did a, uh, finished a uh, diploma in clinical hypnosis and then started the NLP. And really it's just been pretty much that, with little interludes in between. Mm. Of um, of doing that with with one to ones. So before we kind of go into the sleep stuff, which I, which I think will be our main focus today, um, you've obviously worked a lot with people over your period of time. You know, since you've kind of taken this journey in your life. Um, what, what I suppose as a person who's kind of on the other side of the of the chair, if you know what I mean, what what kind of this come as some of the key factors that you've learned when we think about behaviour change? What have you seen are some of the key strategies that people use to actually create change? Well, the number one um, is is knowing what you want. Yeah, you know, it it it's it, so many times people know what they don't want. Mm. You know, and, and I, I guess in, um, well, I'll speak from my own field, but, you know, most of the people like who aren't sleeping, they they want to stop not sleeping. Mm. <laughs> people who are smoking, they they don't want to smoke. So there's a lot of what we'd call away from. So mm. I'm trying to move away from. I think you mentioned this in your, your book. As opposed to having a real clarity around what they want and what will be specifically and not so specifically different once they've got what they want. Okay. You know, so it's like, you know, um, a really good example, having worked with a couple of sports people, um, is, you know, okay, so you've you finished that run or you finished that marathon or you get to that certain place. What will that be like? Like, what will the experience be like? What do you imagine that'll feel like? What, what will be different about you, you know? Yeah. And what you, what, I noticed dug me out of this habit of, of unwellness was actually realizing one day on Takapuna beach, would you believe um, that I had forgotten what I really wanted and I forgot what that looked like. Mm. So it's kind of like, so I was walking on Takapuna beach literally. And I saw myself at the other end of the beach stronger. Okay. Yeah. Even a little bit more upright, clearer, happier. And and it didn't have to be that much happy. <laughs> it was yeah. just enough to be compelling. Mm. And what that does, and is kind of like a, a kind of a foundation of my work, is that engages the prime mover of the mind, and that is curiosity. Mm. And curiosity is is kind of the, the essential ingredient um, 
for kind of engaging in anything and for long enough in order to make it work. I mean, I think Einstein once said, I'm no more intelligent than I am insatiably curious. And, mm. and it's, you know, that curiosity, I mean, you know it with sports, you know it with physical well-being, you know it with these things. It's like if you're not engaged on that level, if that outcome that you're generating isn't truly engaging, then it's, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to buy into it. Yeah, you know, you're not yeah. going to do the sell job on yourself very well. Yeah. And so you, so for you, you feel the first thing we've got to find is that, <clears throat> sorry, that, that kind of, that, that thing you can see in yourself that actually makes you curious and makes you desire the change that you're motivated to get. Uh, yep. Step it back one. I would say, what do you want? The first thing okay. is like, what do you want? And what will it be like when you have that? Okay. What do you expect will be different about your relationships, about your attitude or whatever? You know, what is it you really want? <laughs> you really, really want what you really want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if it's, you know, you don't actually have to explicitly say, oh, now I'm curious. Mm. It's literally by generating something that's um, really meaningful for you as an outcome, then that will engage the curiosity. Yeah. So it plants will, a seed. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find, so from experience, then when you've worked with people to f discover what that want is, that curiosity starts to get put in place, then what kind of tools do they need? Because I imagine, you know, if I've, <clears throat> if I've lived a certain way from, for my whole life, uh, mm. although I might find my want and I might find the curiosity, I still might not have the tools. So then, you know, like what kind of pathway do we need to work towards to develop to actually be able to have the ability to create the change? Yeah, <laughs> big question. It's <laughs> a it's a big question. I, I guess if I was going to look down, look at it from the NLP perspective, I would um, suggest an openness to change. Okay. Um, a, a kind of like almost like prepared to invite change, and say, well, okay, I'm 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 happy. I'm here. Um, I, I know what I want, and you know this is more of a state. And I, and I think you know a lot of people. In, in the game of NLP, so, you know, state is really important. State of mind is yeah. really important. The next part is then, well, okay, a really good question that I ask people, so uh, swapping it over a little bit to, like, a phobia. If someone comes to me and they've got a phobia for spiders, you know, the first question I will say is, okay, what do you want? And they say, well, I want to not have a phobia. <laughs> so, 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 which is not yeah. actually an outcome. It's a, it's a not outcome. And then we say, okay, so if you don't have that, what do you have? Yeah. So we get around that. So we get that clear. And they say, okay, well, let's step back now. How, if you were going to, if I was going to, if I was going to send you on holiday and while you're on holiday, I've got to do your phobia for you. <laughs> how do I do it? Like, like, you know, is it like, how do I get started? Like what has to happen? Like, do I just have to see one over there? Oh, no, 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 no. You've got to actually... Like, if you're going to do it, you just have to think about it, you know. <laughs> so the, the next part really is like eliciting or finding out what is it that they're doing. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, so because everyone will do it differently. It's like there's no one way to for each individual to run. There are general ways, but everyone's body is different. There'll be specific kind of techniques, but you have to tweak those because someone has longer legs or shorter legs or you know, my pigeon toad or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of say, so what is it that you're doing that makes this phobia work so well? You yeah. know, what, 
you know, like, and, and to be, to be fair, most phobics have massive pictures in the ends, you know, like seriously big pictures of a spider and it's right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? However, some people might see it in black and white. Um, some people might see it in color. Some might see a, a still image. Some might see a movie of a scampering spider. So what, what we want to do is if I ask them how they're doing it, most people don't know until they get asked that, until they get asked specific questions, and then their world opens up. Mm. Because, oh, wow, yeah, I do see pictures, and you know, I see them in my head, mm. but it's almost like they're real. <clears throat> yep. you know? mm. And so you know, the, those, that kind of strategy or that kind of just a tool of recognizing that something that is kind of mostly unconscious to me most of the time, like a phobia or a fear, is actually a set of operations or a, a, has a structure mm. that when asked specific questions, we can unlock. Yeah. And, and a beauty, beautiful way to get around phobia is say, well, okay, so it's, black, it's full color and it's a scamper. Okay, so will it be as scary if it's just a still picture? Mm. And they'll go, nah. Okay, yeah. good. You know, and so you start playing and with the structure. Mm, okay, yeah. And there's, a, there's, so, are we on track? Does that kind of yeah, no, totally. So first of all, it's kind of almost creating awareness of what this experience is for me, and totally. then, and then we're kind of trying to manipulate that into a way where that's no longer threatening. Yeah, and and then once we've done that, I, I mean, a good example is you, you know, there's a thing in NLP, a strategy called the swish. And, and for, you know, um, for argument's sake, it's for very simply, it's basically you, you find out what where the picture is, for example, and you make it maybe black and white, make it fuzzy, make yep. it small, and then push it away. Yeah. So once it's away, for example, it's not always away for some people. Once it's away, the, the, intensity, of it, the intensity of it drops completely. Yep. So what we want to do, though, um, is we want to replace it with something that feels good. Okay. Yeah. So we bring that thing from a new thing from the distance, and then generally a good good kind of idea is to have a, an image of the person themselves engaging in something that's really healthy, or engaging in something that's that feels good for them, mm. a resourceful image or or memory, yeah. um, and bring that right up close so that they feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you are we're we're finding out the structure so we can muck it up basically. Yeah. And then, and then inject a bit away at that time. Yeah. On a sporting level, I remember working with someone with yips, which is, which is where they – have you heard of yips? No, I never heard of it. Yips is hilarious. Well, it's not for a golfer. Yeah, if you got it, yeah. Oh, but basically, they literally Freeze. go like that. Oh, well. Wow. Like they seriously just like that. Wow. But, but they all run a strategy to do it. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's really fascinating. So with that, though, it's a slightly different process again. But once again, what is the outcome? You know, so we always start with what do you want? What's the outcome? Well, I want to, you know, I want a ball. Yeah. <laughs> but they always say, I don't want to have yips. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so once again, but once again, we, for that instance, we take them to the last time they had it. And then almost do a, a action backwards replay to work out at what point did something occur. That triggered yeah. it. 
Yeah, and and it's always there. Yeah. You know, it's always there. And, you know, some of the... When you read some of these um, books, you know, about the game of sport and the game of... You know, it, it's it's the game up here. Mm, mm, totally, yeah. It's, it's the heat game, really, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so so you kind of one of the areas that you really have put a lot of energy into, kind of helping people with, is the factor of sleep, and it's a uh, it's an area that that you know. There you go. There's a book there in front of me. Um, <laughs> better sleep sooner. Uh, turn your sleeplessness into sleeping bliss. There we go. Sleeping bliss. Yes. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. I suppose there's a few questions I have, you know, like far out, look, when we, it's really becoming obvious more and more as, as kind of science is backing this up, but the importance of uh, recharging in life is, is obviously just, if you want to perform, I just think of myself, like I, I have all these recharge strategies in my day, I'm a good sleeper luckily, but I also meditate twice a day, so I've got all these recharge strategies so that um, ideally I can be as, as focused as possible as when I need to be focused, and yep. then, you know, and, and I really am a big believer in this whole idea of how much time are you spending in your life in the best energy you have for the thing you're doing? And then we, if, if we can kind of identify what that is, well, then we can kind of say, well, what are the things that are, are working against you? And obviously things like nutrition and, and time frames of work and stuff like that. But obviously the biggest factor is going to be sleep. And mm. so maybe talk us a little bit around, because um, I'm sure lots of people listening to this right now uh, have struggled with sleep, because it seems to be a pretty big issue, isn't it? Oh, it's 60%. Is it really? It's- yeah, it's really huge. I mean, there was a bit of a – the Sleep Foundation of America put out a bit of statistics last year, and I mm, I don't know. I mean, they said 90% of, you know, Americans will have some sleep issue in their lives. I, I would reckon 100% do, to be honest, yeah. you know. Um, but it's it's the chronic stuff, and chronic is kind of like anything that lasts around, you know, three weeks okay. to maybe three months. You know, you're getting into something that's actually creating – a habit and it's becoming so habitual that it's kind of really difficult to break. Mm. Um, excuse me. And the research coming, you know, the thing I love about research is that it, it can tell us what's happening as we go to sleep. It can tell us what's happening when we're asleep. It can tell us all these different things that are happening while sleep's occurring or not occurring. Yeah. It can't tell us how we do the getting to sleep. Okay. And that's the thing I find really fascinating and the thing that really troubles most people. Okay. Because what happens is we we think we have to have a lot of sleep. We think and the research has a guy in Spain, can't remember his name, I just read a great book called Go Wild. And there's actually um it's a very good book actually, um, written by two guys and they've just been studying um, the kind of the, his, the why we're having so many illnesses in a time where we should have the least illnesses, mm. um, and, and there's a really good premise behind it and a really good kind of um, argument for for why that is. But they talk about sleep, and the guy there, the Spanish guy who's been talk, who's been researching this for twenty thirty years, he says we really do need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep a night. Now, I think it was. 33% of the American population never gets more than six hours sleep a night. Wow. If you have six hours sleep a night consecutively for three weeks, you are clinically drunk. Really? Wow. <laughs> After that three wow. weeks. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, these people are voting, driving trucks. <laughs> yeah, voting. <laughs> <laughs> 
And in Australia, um, when I was, we were living in Byron Bay for two years, so I did a lot of research. That's where I, I wrote, finished the book. I was doing a lot of research, and it was like $40 billion a year went on um, accidents and problems and health care because of lack of sleep or exhaustion. or Yeah, it's huge. Wow. And, and it really comes down to that we have a huge amount of, what would you call it, like the, we, we need to do a lot these days. Yeah, demands on you know, life, yeah. A lot in life, and we're not working 40 hours anymore. <clears throat> a lot of people are working 60 hours. They have to, you know, if you're a personal trainee, you probably have to work evenings, yep. um, Saturdays, mornings, those sorts of things. If you're doing workouts and you're doing, you know, triathlons or, or Ironman, I mean, you're just spending your day exercising yeah. um, and working. What happens is, and the research is telling us, that we, we literally build up levels of stress and we build them up, and we build them up. And there is um, some research, which I'm not in agreement with, that once you build it up, you can't get rid of it. I'm not in agreement with that. I've been meditating since, well, for 26 years now, and I know you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, they don't look into the meditation aspect of it. They just say, well, once you got it, you got it. Yeah. And if you try to sleep in, that's not going to help. Um, as if that's the only way to yeah, release. deal with stress. Yeah, yeah. So, am I on track with answering? Yeah, that no, yeah, totally. So I suppose, yeah. So, so really, you're saying that there is this massive cost to society right now because of the lack of sleep. It's actually quite a major problem. Uh, probably people probably don't even realise that they're not getting enough because you know if you're looking at some of the. The criteria, you know, you need more than six, basically, and a lot of people are living in that kind of range. I suppose the question is, then what are what are what are some of the causes? Of lack of, of sleep, you know, you know, like for those who, you know, there is that kind of. I've had a busy day, um, so, so sleep's not an issue for me. I, admittedly, I, I have no problem sleeping, and I, I get my sleep in, and it's not really a problem. But occasionally, I'll get a day where I'm just kind of sat late and so on. But that's a bit different to three weeks. So when we look at why is it that people can't sleep, what are some of the, the problems that we see? Well, I think there's two there's two answers to that question. The 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 first answer is our culture, and and our and our social expectation, okay. and that is that you see. Once upon a time, there was a there was a thing called a tribe, and a tribe um, had grandparents, older people, younger people, and there was a lot of give and take. There was a lot of um, balancing of, um, of, of and management of activity, mm-hmm. and so and there was an understanding that when it got dark, you went to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just because you can't garden or yeah. shoot animals when, when it's dark. So, so what's happened now is that we can stay up all night. Mm. And the expectation with work and stuff like that is that your boss can text you and email you all night. Um, I got two texts, ironically, from, from um, my clown doctor boss <laughs> at 10 p.m. last night. I'm in bed already. You know? yeah. like, um and and I think that you know that's one one part of it is like there's too much going on. Technology is making it too easy, I think, to break some age-old conventions or you know there, there's an elegance around living with respect to others. Yeah, yeah. And I think that technology has broken that. It's broken that kind of. There, there was some unspoken. You know, when you when it was just telephones, you just didn't call after nine. It yeah. was just, you know. But now people text and you know Facebook and everything like, and suddenly you're tweeted and tweeted and all these different things. And 
And what that means is, is that you might put your phone in the other room, but it's still on. Yeah. So, and they've done research on this, and I don't understand how they did it. Um, I tried to, and I'm reasonably intelligent. <laughs> so, they worked out, and it's all through EC, EC, ECG machine yep. stuff. You have a one group, and then you, have, yeah. you have one group of people who, uh, you know, because they stick them in labs and they tell them to go to sleep. Yep. But they've got a cell phone next to them. And then they've got another group who are in a lab and they've got to go to sleep, but there's no cell phone and it's been switched off and it's in, it's in their car. Yeah. Well, the, e, the, e, e, the brain readings from these two different people are quite different yeah. because one group, the group who's got the cell phone there, they're kind of, it's almost like they're like this yeah. <laughs> because they, they, they are literally on call. Like someone could text them or there could be a Facebook thing or they might miss something because, you know, yeah. whereas the other guys, it's not there. So they just, they just go straight to sleep. Yeah. And they sleep deeper. Mm. Um, now, see, in tribal time, this is really interesting. There's a great book as well called At Day's End, The History of Night. It sounds so boring, but it's really fascinating. Wow. And it's only been in since cheap, believe it or not, since cheap candles and oil lanterns and electric light that we have expected ourselves to sleep right through the night. Oh, really? Yeah, what used to occur was we used to have first and second sleep. <laughs> yeah, so we'd go to bed when it got dark and then we'd maybe sleep for two or three hours and then we'd wake up and then we'd have a little meal or <laughs> as someone wrote um, back in the Middle Ages, slaughter a pig. <laughs> as you do. As you do. Um, vegetarians, I'm sorry. Yeah. And... Um, and then when they woke up in the morning after their second sleep, you know, it had bled out and they could, you know, butcher it and, yep. and salt it or whatever. But the, the interesting thing was it's only in this last 150-odd years or maybe a little bit more that we've expected to sleep right through. And that expectation, this is the second part, the second answer to your question, that expectation has meant that when we wake up in the middle of the night or we have some disruption, we suddenly think there's something desperately wrong. Um. A good example is that a client I had just today actually um, wakes up 4 o'clock. Now, the expectation is, well, I've got to sleep all through the night. You know, yeah. I go to bed at 10, it's yeah. all good, and I, you know, literally crash. But I always wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning. Mm. That's normal. Mm. You, you can't be expected to sleep all that way. I mean, many of us do. Yeah. But what's happened is a convention because of 40-hour week and the amount of activity we do and all these different things that you've got to sleep through the night. And if you don't, there's something wrong. So then when I wake up, I experience stress because I'm not sleeping. Well, you are. But yeah, but you're you in yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the other part, which is really neat. They just did some research last year or the year before. I, I get a bit confused between it is, but... There's an old wives, wives' tale that said, you know, one hour before midnight is worth two after midnight. Yeah. Well, they proved that correct. So if you get one hour of sleep before midnight, it's worth anywhere, they reckon, from two to two and a half hours after midnight. Really? It's fascinating, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you, you, you hear about your deep sleep and it normally happens later on in the night. So. Yeah, but what is really interesting, and it comes out of um, – Ayurveda and Chinese medicine is that there are specific zones. There's three specific zones in the clock. Um, the 10 to 2, 
the two to six and the six to ten. So it's kind of like there's three pockets. Won't get too deep into it, but if you know how some people say, you know, I'm a bit of a night owl and yeah. get to about eleven, I just start waking up. Yeah, um, that's normal. If anyone generally, unless they're totally exhausted, stays up late enough, they'll start to wake up generally. Yeah, um, speaking in generalizations, but why it is is because we're actually supposed to be asleep at that time. And between 10 and 2 in uh, Hindu or Ayurveda, which is uh, Indian medicine, between 10 and 2 we go into what's called the fire period, or pitta, which is fire. Um, now, I'm not a practitioner of any kind, but I've done a lot of research into this because it's just so fascinating. But the fire period is where our digestion wakes up. The fire literally burns hotter. And it's the same between 10 and 2 during the day. Okay. So your digestion wakes up to process the stuff from the day. Mm-hmm. And and as it wakes up, it lifts your metabolism. Now, if you're awake, that will stimulate activity in the brain. Mm. If you're asleep, you actually dive deeper. Okay, It's a really interesting phenomenon. And so what happens is you... Um, just imagine there'll be a bunch, <laughs> bunch of doctors out there going, yeah, prove that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's really interesting because, you know... I guess the beauty of Ayurveda is it's 5,000 years old and modern medicine's like maybe 100, 150. Yeah. But the beauty of it is, and the recent, sorry, the anecdotal evidence I have from many hundreds of clients who have done this, get to bed by 10, they crash. And, and they will wake up often in that period from two, I'm doing crazy stuff with my hands, but yeah. anyway, that period between two and four, which is where you move into that really light and airy state that's where most people wake up. Yeah. So, what am I getting at? Your beliefs about sleep are actually the things that will interfere with any uh, positive benefit you're getting from your sleep. And they have actually just proven this once again with research. They had a group of people who were doing... Um, an exercise regime. I think it was at Stanford they did this, and I think they peer-reviewed it and did it again in Harvard, or they did it again in Stanford. Anyway, so they have 20 guys and girls, all same age, university students doing exercise here. Same exercise here, same age group, same health, all that sort of stuff. They take their bloods, they take their heart rate, all that sort of stuff. But group A, they keep saying, man, I don't know what you guys are doing. I mean, your bloods are looking like shit, and you're... You know, seriously, I, you know, what are you guys doing? I mean, you, you know, you, it's not helping. Hmm. And then they tell the other guys, well, man, you guys, you seriously, this is working really well for you. You know, so they're telling these two groups are doing exactly the same stuff and getting exactly the same readings from their machines, oh, so. and bloods and everything, <clears throat> completely different stories. So after the third or second week, can't remember exactly what it was, forgive me for not knowing the detail, but the group A that's told, a whole bunch of you know negatives actually starts to displaying the negatives they start feeling depressed they start getting like physiological mm. symptomology that that the doctors are recognizing as almost retrospective yep yeah so, so it's almost they're being conditioned to to yeah. the outcome that they get basically yeah yeah so the one thing that i'd say is that really check your beliefs about sleep not many of us in busy lifestyles are able necessarily to get the seven and a half to eight 
hours sleep a night. However, that seven and a half to eight hours sleep is is clinical research. It's done in a lab. It's done with machines and all that sort of stuff. So I would say, how do you feel in the morning? (laughs) You know, how are you feeling halfway through the day? If you wake up in the morning and you've had a disturbed sleep, what I say is, say to yourself, I've had a disturbed sleep. How do I feel right now? I feel good. Yeah. What do I want to get done today? I can do that. Yeah. And then get on with it. The thing is, if I suddenly think, oh, I've had a disturbed sleep, and oh, that means the day's going to be crap, and oh, yeah. I'm going to get tired by five, four or something, the reality will start to make itself apparent. So, so the research is backing us up that if we believe something about what we think happened, that will be the outcome you give. That will be the And if we continue to do that and we have strong beliefs about I need this much and if I don't get it, I'm stuffed, yep. that'll become your reality. And what, what we know is that it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So, so okay, so, so you're kind of saying there's two, two factors. The first is the culture and this is the very much our time has become um, less of a priority to the world and so we kind of are sacrificing our ability to get sleep because we kind of have these kind of distractions all the time yep. um, and then there's this kind of the belief of the effect of sleep on my life and how that can l- literally feed me living in a bad state because of it um, when, when we think about the culture stuff is it very much about you setting boundaries for yourself like is it, is it is, is that the key you know absolutely I mean you just got to switch I mean if you, we talk about technology um, you know, one of the things that's uh, insomnia, they reckon in the States went up anywhere up, went increased anywhere around 20 to 25% after the iPad came out. Really? Simply because if you hold a, a, a phone or an iPad, you know, yeah, the light, the light is projecting and waking up your pineal gland mm. and that stuffs up your uh, regulation of night and day. So you stop secreting melatonin, you start secreting serotonin or whatever, your weight drugs, and next minute you can't, you can't really get to sleep. So, you know, the, the research is quite clear. Switch your, 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 your pads off. Anything that projects light is going to wake you up. Yeah. Remember, the, the most light-sensitive gland in the whole body is in the middle of your brain, mm. and that's telling you, telling your entire body what is day and what is night, when it's time to sleep, when it's time to wake up. And if, and if you're... Cooking that with too much visual, right. yeah. it's, it's going to do it. The, the other part is um, we have unlimited access to entertainment. And the, I mean, basically all of these things come down to stimulation. Mm. However, there's stimulation and then there's stimulation. There's many types. So what, sitting down watching Game of Thrones, you know, I mean, ironically, we watched the last two shows last night. <laughs> of um season four and, um, <laughs> luckily, luckily you know my wife and i both have really good sleep strategies um but boy you know they cook your brain they you yeah. you, you, you know you just stimulate them totally i mean giants bashing through stuff and blood yeah. and guts everywhere and it's kind of like, well that's actually not just shows it's now the news yeah it's now i mean the stuff that they reported that that that's going on um, even in the courts these days, mm. you know, they, they actually talk about on, on the radio. It's like, I don't want to know that. Mm. And so and the, the challenge is that in the mind, once a seed is planted or a picture has been 
uh, given to the recipient, it's very difficult to remove that or to know what to do with that. It's there. Mm. And that's the stuff that can really keep us going at an unconscious and conscious level. Yeah, so it's like you know hearing the same song 50 times on a radio one, one day and you're lying in bed and all you can hear is that it's same sense. song. Yeah. And, and I mean, really, it's the hypnosis of life. The, you know, the, there is a, a degree of hypnosis that is, that is ever going. And hypnosis is nothing more than a repeated idea um, which, which in some ways um, generates a trance state or an altered state with a, a, a generous amount of emotional content. Mm. Now, if you look at most media, most games... Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. So, so, so really, if I'm someone who's sitting here listening right now and know that I kind of, well, you know, I, I struggle with my sleep, um, there's these factors, okay, well, we need to look at stimulus control. Uh, yes. We probably need to see some boundaries around timeframes of when I shut off certain aspects of um, contact and that to my life. Um, what, what, what are some, some other factors that people need to be aware of? Um, it's a good question. I, you know, so I just reiterate, get, get, get the machines off about half an hour before bed. Okay. I mean, if you're having serious problems sleeping and getting to sleep, you, you've just got to turn that stuff off. Yeah. All of the other thing is you've got to get all media. Don't never have a TV in your bedroom. Don't have a computer screen in your bedroom because when it's there, the subconscious yeah. considers it as a possible access to stimulation. Yeah. It's, it's, possibly available yeah. but i mean how many new houses do you see have tvs in every bedroom well it's, it's like we don't but I, I have to admit it's pretty rare nowadays to not have a tv in your bedroom isn't it no yeah. and it's dangerous because they they are high so so get all stimulus out of your bedroom the bedroom is the place of sleep yeah so so it's almost like that kind of feng shui thing isn't it the, the, the purpose of this room is so what will encourage that behavior yeah and activity it's an activity thing we sleep we, we make love i guess yeah um, but we, you know, there are very specific things historically that we do in bed and mm. in bedrooms. The rest is, you know, living room, dining room. We we don't eat in bed. Yeah. We might have breakfast in bed occasionally, but we don't eat our meal in bed. Well, you know? to be honest, from, if people watching TV, a lot of people probably eat junk food in bed as well. Well, yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, do you like, I've got to give my mum a hard time. Here, I know as a young man, my mum would always be eating chips in bed at night. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, it was. And and the research coming out about, you know saturated fats with yeah. carbohydrates you know when you're se sentient watching crap on the tv it's like yeah. oh. you know so um the other one um would have to be get your head on the pillow by 10 you know i i, I remember um when i was in the middle of the the illness that was uh, that brought on by the toxic poisoning i remember an ayurvedic um physician saying to me aaron you must get your head on the pillow by 10 so i i took that as one of your black and whites mm. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to do that regardless. So I'd leave parties at half past nine. <laughs> I could get home and get my head on. And it, and it really changed everything because I was getting my head on the pillow at the time, which is essential so that I could get, um, I could start resting and start slipping into sleep as my body was going into that healing state. And if you're going through any kind, I mean, even sports training, how many times have we been told that you actually build the muscle when you're resting? Yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, I, I did three and a half years of karate, you know, and when I was quite young, and, you know, th that was constantly be told, you know, remember to rest, remember mm. to stretch and rest, because yeah. that's when you build the muscle, and that's also when you build this muscle. Mm. 
So get your head on the pillow by 10. The second, and the second boundary is when you wake up, um, all due respect, if it's before you know, five or something like that, um, just roll over. But when you wake up, get up. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the, once again, some more research is that what happens is if you roll over, because the get up, you get adrenals. Your adrenals start pumping. Your serotonin starts moving. I think it's the serotonin. Yeah. If you go, oh, I think I'll just have another half hour, you roll over, you get a huge dump of melatonin again. Okay. So you get your sleep your sleep chemicals. Now, what that'll mean is when you actually do get up, it's quite groggy. It's yeah. a little like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone has it. You know, the sleep in, it's the worst thing. Um, what would be better is to get up, um, go the loop, come back and meditate. Yeah. You know, sit up and do a sitting meditation or something. Um, much, much more beneficial. So, okay, so, so um, I suppose the, the next question I have then is, like a lot of this is about controlling environment, um, setting some boundaries. What about the person who says they can't shut their head off? You know, because that's, that's, that's right. you know, like, like my mother, my mother's, my whole life's been a terrible sleeper and, and she's one of those ones who like four hours a night if, if it's a good night and you kind of wonder how she functions, you know. Um, but... Um, and the reason my mother is that she's got a busy mind, you know, like, she, you know, she's a very busy kind of soul and she, the the ability to shut the mind off mm. is the, the limiting factor for her getting sleep. So, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this right now are, are really, they, they've probably tried the phones off, they've probably tried a lot of the, the kind of stuff we've talked about, but the ability to shut the mind off, what, what would be your kind of thoughts for those people? It's such a good question. And I, and I have to be honest, um, most of the people I see have, tried everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when, I, when they come to see me that's the stuff that they, they need to work out and that's where a little the book is different simply because it's starting to talk about what to do here okay yeah. so I'll answer your question first of all your perception of what's happening with the mind if it's racing is probably incorrect Yeah. so it's exaggerated it's exaggerated yeah. now what I mean by that is you get into bed and you, you go horizontal. As soon as you go horizontal, you start releasing sleep hormones. And you start resting. Yep. If you've been doing meditation as you have, you know what is the first thing as soon as you bring in a mantra or start bringing your awareness to your breath or whatever it might be, you start getting random thoughts. Yeah. So if you've been trained, you know, in, in, a, in a good form of, well, I don't know, in a form of meditation that understands the, the meaning of thought, then you'll know that that's a sign that your body is doing what it's designed to do when it begins the rest cycle, and that is release stress. So I've had a really stressful day. I've been working out, doing triathlons, all this sort of thing, and trying to do 50 jobs and got a yeah, wife and kids. Your boss is on your case and, you know. Every single day. And, you know, <laughs> and so, so I get into bed, right? And I go horizontal and my body starts to release chemicals in order to help me rest, which is what it's supposed to do. Mm. So have you ever had the experience, there'll be a lot of listeners out there that'll have one or all of these experiences or a few of these experiences. One is you get into bed and you suddenly twitch. Yeah, I have had that, yeah. Well, yep. Yeah, yeah. You get it when you meditate too, the, the, the kind of jumping kind of thing. Yep, yep. Yeah. Or you get into bed and you suddenly get itchy. Or you get into bed and, of course, the thoughts come. Mm. Or you have a falling feeling. You just suddenly slip on a banana skin. You feel like you've just fallen over. Mm. So all of these different things are actually a, a kind of a response to your body going into a rest cycle. Your body is going into a rest cycle. And as it begins to do that, it starts to release 
stress. Okay. And that can be a thought process? Well, not necessarily immediately. Okay. Um, my, my personal understanding of it is is that you have, you, we keep stress in the body, in the muscle tissue, in the, 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 in the, Physical, the, the yeah. joints, all over. And so the twitch is that the body is suddenly releasing that stress. Okay. Now, another way is that it will release that stress through um, a, a muscle relaxation or whatever it might be, and then that will be electrically charged, like it will be an electrical release. Yep. That yep. flows into the nervous system up, into the brain, and activates a thought. Okay. Okay. So the thoughts are actually... A part of a the si- unwinding. Unwinding. Okay. So they're a sign, and this is really important because it's, it's what we call a reframe in NLP. So what we need to do is, when we realize there's a lot of thoughts, if we have an understanding that actually this is what's supposed to be happening because I cannot stop thoughts. Mm. Mm. Give me one point in the day, except when you're unconscious, that you're not thinking. Yeah, yeah. No, you're dead if you're mm. not thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what the stream of thoughts is, more often than not, is this unloading of electrical stress energy mm. that flows up, unsettles this, and suddenly you get random thoughts, crazy thoughts, you know, loopy thoughts, or just thoughts of the day or things that have to happen. Yeah. Now, so what do we do? I'm lying in bed and that stuff's coming up. I say to myself, well, this is really cool because now I know that this is actually natural. This is normal. This is my body resting. Mm. Okay. Mm. The second part is <clears throat> allow it. But what we want to do is think of it like, you know, when you pour champagne into a glass and you get all of these bubbles coming up. Yeah. And the bubbles come out of nowhere. It's like, where are these bubbles coming from? It's like there just seems to be millions of bubbles that just keep coming up. Yeah. Right? So they come up and you watch them. Come up. Yeah. And then they sit on the surface for a moment. So imagine that one of those bubbles is a stress pocket that's just been released. Yeah. It's going all the way through your body. And the moment that you're aware of it, the thought yep. is it's sitting on the surface. And then what does it do? It goes, bam, see and you later. Pop. Yeah. Do we chase the bubble? No. No. Do we, do we wonder where that bubble went? Mm. No. Do we have a thought about the thought about the bubble about the thought about the bubble? No. Yeah. We let it go. So what we do is we acknowledge the thought and go, well, there's the thought. There's the stuff about the day. Yeah. And here I am lying in bed and I'm resting. Now, here's the key. This is the key. Years ago, I, I, I used to do insomnia very, very well. I was an ex- expert at it. Yeah. <laughs> as as a, a number of people listening to, to this podcast will we'll know that. And that's the other way of looking at it. You're not a victim of this thing. It's something that you're almost shamelessly doing. <laughs> it's something that you're doing without knowing how to undo. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. So I'm lying in bed, terrible experience, can't get to sleep. And then suddenly it was almost like a little voice inside my head said, stop thinking about sleep. Think about this for a moment. When have you ever had a conscious experience of being asleep? Mm, well, you don't. You don't. Yeah. That's why it's sleep. So, yeah. yeah, what do we do? We lie in bed going, I need to be asleep. How am I going to get to sleep? Mm. Why am I not asleep? I'm such a failure. I'm not asleep. My day tomorrow is going to be shit. Yeah. But what we're talking about is a thing 
and we're tr- called sleep, and we're trying to get to that thing, but we won't know when we're there. Yeah. 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 So what I realized one night, it was one night I'd had been doing insomnia for three, four months. And then in this night, I was lying there, I was going, wait a minute, I won't know when I'm asleep, so why am I thinking about it? Why am I even considering, why am I having this conversation with myself about something? It's, it's not a good outcome. Remember yeah. I was talking about yeah. outcomes? Yep. I won't even know when I'm there. Mm. And then a little voice came from, up, from inside and it said, well, you're resting. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'm resting. Yeah. And it feels really good. Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and, and that, well, no, so, so, so really what you're saying is that it kind of goes back to that belief thing again, doesn't it? Because the example you used earlier was in the morning, I've had a bad sleep that changes my belief about my day, which has a big influence on my day. Realistically, if I kind of look at it, you know, I'm going to get through this day and next year doesn't have to be a big problem. It's the same thing here. It's I go to bed, I think that because I'm having these stress thoughts that I'm a I can't get to sleep, which then puts my mind in the mode of not being able to get to sleep, which kind of creates the problem. So the shift we're looking for is to kind of realize that actually this is a part of the process. It's all good. Allow it to happen and just trust in the process. And a little dialogue always helps. Yeah. And the dialogue, because NLP talks a lot about three major modalities, uh, the, 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 the internal dialogue, the um, the visual and the kinesthetic. Yep. So you three majors. So you know, how I'm talking to myself, yep. what I'm visualizing, so, and what I feel. feel. Yeah. So so what do we do when we're lying in bed and it's really bad? We go like that. Yeah. Okay. So it creates tension for you. Yeah. <laughs> it creates tension. So what we want to do is now that we know that the thoughts are actually a natural process, it's actually part of the process of releasing the stress and tension. Unfortunately, some of it's pretty maddening and diabolical, yeah. and yet that's how it is. We can't. You can't stop it. Yeah. So the the next step is rather than yanking our own chain and getting really angry at ourselves about it, this never worked. Mm. Why don't we acknowledge the two things? One is it'd be better to talk to myself nicely. And yeah. secondly, forget sleep. Forget it. Yeah. You'll never know when you're there. It's pointless to think about it. But think rest. Okay. So the dialogue is in a pleasant way as if, your mum's talking to you or something. Yeah. It's like, here I am, I'm lying in bed, which is true, and I'm resting, yeah. and, it, and it feels nice. Yeah. Now, as soon as you start doing that, your whole body will, will literally start to soften, and that's yeah. the key. So you're kind of dealing with the physical at that moment as well. Absolutely, and and that brings in another part of Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place, but the really important um, parts to the whole strategy really is that one of the things I, I notice with people who aren't sleeping very well is they're not present. They're thinking about what happened yep. or they're thinking about what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and if they are present, it's pretty shitty negative yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, But generally they're thinking about, oh, it's going to be terrible tomorrow or it was hell today. Mm. So what we want to do is actually acknowledge the physical now. now. Yeah. And the best way is to realize I'm in bed and the pillow's nice against yeah. My head, the sheets—they do. They feel really nice. They feel warm. Um, they're warm. Yeah. Um, I'm lying next. You know, might be might be married or have a partner or something. I'm lying next to someone that I really love, or um, you know, the room is really nice. Yeah. But, but you bring it back and then acknowledge the fact that regardless of what's going on in your head, I'm resting, and yeah. it and it 
feels really nice. Now, as soon as you notice you've drifted off into thought land again, great. Yep. Key is acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. You don't have to accept what you're saying to yourself. You don't have yeah. to accept it, you know, be all bloody Zen Buddhist about it, or whatever you want to call it. You know, you don't have to you just like, well, okay, I've I've tripped off into into crazy thought world and here I am resting. I'm going to have to go because I've got to get to work. So um, I, 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 I suppose just to wrap things up, there's, there's yeah. lots of great stuff coming through here. And, and, you know, just if I'm just going to kind of do a wrap up, ultimately what you're saying is that uh, there's, there's these kind of um, preparation component to what we need to do to our sleep. And that is controlling stimulus. Sleep hygiene. Yep, sleep hygiene is a really good way. And then there's this kind of the belief factor around my sleep. And it is the thing around, you know, the thought processes is okay for me to, I'm, I should be here. Also, then in that place, acknowledge that. and But then look for awareness around things like the physical and those kind of aspects. And then and when I have bad sleeps is to not attach unrealistic outcomes of it which actually create that outcome in the long term yep. um if people want to get in contact with you where, where do they want to go aaron uh just go to bettersleepsooner.co.nz and you can get his book there as well guys thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on. I, I might get you on again sometime in the future because uh i get the feeling we could probably talk for hours about this kind of stuff yeah. and, and maybe even more so thank you so much for your time today and it's been um My absolute pleasure yeah I'm, I'm sure lots of people got so much from it because there's just so much good insight and it's Far out, man. Sleep, you know, is such an important aspect of life. And, um, you know, and if we think about health in general, you know, it's not just the crashes people have. It's just that place we live within ourselves. So um, really great stuff, Aaron. Appreciate your time. And, uh, again, I'll get you on the show again sometime. Thank you so much. There you go. That's uh, pretty much this month's show wrapped up. Aaron was a, a really interesting interview. You could tell he was quite a passionate soul who, um, you know, really believed in the concept of helping people. And um, it was just it was just some really great insight, you know. And I think, you know, these, these insights are only valuable if you can implement them into your life. And if you are someone who you know struggles with sleep, you know, creating those boundaries around Um, things like devices, things like time to go to bed, things like, you know, the the beliefs that come around sleep, you know, that that may take a bit of work. You know, like the cell phone nowadays is so attractive. And, and, you know, all of us, I think, who own smartphones have a, well, not all of us, but the majority of us who own smartphones have a sense of loss of life that's wasted because I check my smartphone too much. And, you know, that in itself can lead to some frustration and can probably be something that we could all address. But when that's then starting to distract your sleep, then that's something that needs to be worked on. And, you know, Aaron really showed some really great tools today that could have a significant influence on your sleep. And the question I often think about with sleep is, when you have a great night's sleep, how do you function the next day? And I often think about this, so like if I've got to go for a run, let's say I've got to run 20Ks today, well, let's say 10Ks, uh, let's say I've got to run 10Ks today, and last night I had four hours sleep. Now, the chances of me having a great run has been massively reduced because I'm going into that run fatigued, especially if I've done that three or four nights in a row. Whereas if I've had a good eight hours sleep, the chances of me having a great run improves massively. And when we think about functioning at the highest level in our life, you know, the more we can get those habits that create that eight-hour sleep, the higher you're going to function in life and the more you're going to achieve. 
So, you know, I, I just really can't reinforce this enough. If you know you struggle with sleep, you, you need to do some work and you really need to address this. So, so there you go. So thank you, Aaron. If you want to go to his website, his website is sleepbettersooner.co.nz. You can buy his book there. Uh, it's only $25 New Zealand. So um, you can download it or you can even just buy it. Um, yeah, get onto it. It's uh, highly recommend it. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much this show for the, this fortnight. I'll be back in the studios in two weeks from now. I'll have a bit of a tan. Um, been to Bali. And... Um, yeah, I look forward to getting back in and speaking to you guys in a couple of weeks. If you've got any questions, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. Check out my website. If anything, uh, tell a friend about the show. Show a friend what we're doing here. And also, if you want to become a patron, go to Bevan James Isles. Click on the Patreon page and uh, you can support the show as well. Oh, lastly, grab my book. <laughs> I, I, I'm not very good at promoting my book if you haven't read my book and you enjoy the work that we're doing here on the show i think you'll really enjoy what i've done with my book go to my website it's on there as well anyway guys you have a wonderful fortnight and i'll see you soon